This podcast extra is part of your Slate Plus membership. Hello, and welcome to the Slot Plus segment of the Slate Culture Gab Fest. Uh, we shanghaied Willa into sticking around this week so that we could grill her on the subject of fall television. In general, fall television is a fun time of year. It's when a lot of places put the good shows on, although that's becoming less and less true now that... Uh, TV comes from more and more different places at more and more different times. And yet, fall TV is still a thing. It's when the, the new crop is proffered. Uh, and so we thought we would ask Miss Willa what she's excited about that she's seen so far. Hi, Willa. Hey. <laughs> Uh, one reminder, if you are listening to this, you are a Slate Plus member, which means you support Slate and the journalism we do and get extras like this segment. Thank you very much for that. Okay. Uh, Willa. What are you excited about on television this fall? It actually is a sort of fun fall for like the first time in a couple of years, um, expressly because people that are not the networks, not people, channels that are not the networks, <laughs> have decided that they're going to just program in the fall. I think for a couple of years they were still thought the networks owned the fall. And so it was just like a bunch of really bad shows and they were kind of skittish about it. And that's over now. I see. So they used to be like... Uh... It, this is like a sign of the new power of the yeah. rivals. Like they used to be like, okay, we'll let the networks have the fall, and we'll put our, you know, uh, ho slash them up, whatever the hell, in April. And now they're like, step aside, NBC. I'm see just going to drop my primo shit in September too. And we'll see what the critics notice. That's exactly right. So um, it's been there's there's just like a bunch of good stuff that's not from the networks, and the network stuff is so much less than usual. Um, they've been a little more thoughtful about it because obviously putting on a lot of total garbage hasn't really worked for them so it's a little like it's a little more curated it feels like it's like a little more thought into everything um what am i excited about specifically though so not on the networks there's a bunch of really good stuff coming up like hbo has um high maintenance which was this gorgeous wonderful hilarious perfect web series that they purchased because they're smart and they turned it into a half hour show um and I've joked about this many times, but like one of the things I loved the most about High Maintenance was that it was like four minutes long. I just, I, I was, it was like a gift to me <laughs> that you could watch <laughs> the busy all of television it in like three yeah. hours. I was like, thank you. Um, so I was really sort of bitter that it was going to be half an hour, but they totally, uh, they killed it. They did a great job. It's still really good. Um, FX has a bunch of shows too. We're going to talk, we just talked about one and then they had this other one, Atlanta, and then, um, Pamela Adlon has a show called Better Things. It's created, co-created with Louie. It's, um, she is on Louie. She plays Pamela, his, um, on again, off again love interest. And it's about basically mothering. It's, it's like, it's a, it's an actual comedy. It's sort of funny because her, like, as opposed to Louie, her position towards the world is not sad sack. Like, she's sort of more brash and goofy person. Like, she's, she's not a quiet, um, introvert (laughs) Uh, but it sort of did like remind me tonally while being totally completely not at all like now now or ferrante like about thinking about making parenting like actually the subject not sort of the background of a show how does it compare to say catastrophe which is explicitly about parenting, but more about having a relationship while right. parenting. Right. C- catastrophe is like parenting is the backdrop for the, how their relationship is going to survive the tribulations of being parents, basically. Um, and I like be romantic in that context. And this is really about parenting. I mean, she's a single mother of three girls and it, it's like everything else is a background to that. So like what's a plot like f- like uh, to take an example 
Is it about fighting with your kid about whether they should put their trains away in the fake roundhouse that they made out of the toy piano before bed or they need to just get the fuck in their bed and it's okay if the trains stay out on the tracks overnight? It's a big example out of the blue sky. Just for a, just a uh, sheer hypothetical. It is kind of closer to that. There are different ages. of like 6, 12, and 16. So, so fewer toy But there was like a lot of scenes like in the car of like everyone screaming and being like, we want to go to Goodwill, mom, you did this. And like her just having to pull over and yell at them. I have a question about that before we move on to the next one. As a huge Pamela Adlin fan. So if I'm not mistaken, she has three daughters and is a single mother it's in another, real life, right? And she a, is her name Pamela. I mean, how is it a Louis style very close to her autobiography? It sort is of show? semi-autobiographical. Her name in it is Sam Fox and all her kids have um, like are girls but have boyish names like um, Max and Frankie um, and Duke. But it is otherwise a very semi-autobiographical. I mean, like their father's out of the picture in the same way. Her mom um, lives across the street kind of as she does in real life. And is she writing the show? Or is... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's totally like it's another one of these, as is so in vogue, like these thinly veiled um, so-called comedies. But this one I, I found um, to actually be amusing. It's like sad half-hour dramas by comedians, classed yeah. as comedies, sort yeah. of about their lives. Yeah, and like the only – they just like think about humor. Like they're not actually funny, but they have like <laughs> – they have thought about humor as opposed to a drama. Like that that's the not, difference. That's not a hard sell right <laughs> That, that didn't mean that about better things. I meant about this entire class of shows. So hers is one of these that's actually a little juicier and funnier. Yeah, I think just because of her, kind of. Like, she's just sort of can't help but be brash and dirty and funny. Cool. I'm excited for that. Uh, Willa, I have a question. How, how does a trend come about in television these days? Is it that um, a lot of spaghetti is thrown at the wall and what ends up sticking is the trend? that there's enough variety in the pot to begin with that it's not clear that the networks and the various content providers really know what the public mood is? Or at this stage, can you pick out a trend already? In other words, they're already gaming it and they're already spinning it. Well, I think there are two different kinds of trends. So, for example, this fall, there is a weird number of shows about jumping through time. I think that is a complete and total coincidence. Like, I don't think that there's any planning. I don't think that that has anything to do with anything. I mean, I think you can have a lot of fun pretending that means something. Like, we're all so anxious. We're just mm-hmm. desperate to, like, We go all want to go back in time <laughs> yeah. and kill so, baby Trump. Yeah, or, like, <laughs> just so, some more peaceful <laughs> moment, you know. Um, but I think that that sort of stuff is just really arbitrary. I yeah. think things, like, where you have a lot of sad sack comedies or comedies thinly veiled, autop- you know, semi-autobiographical shows um, from smart people who are funny is is basically because there are shows like Louie and Girls that people think are so good. They just want to do that, you Mm -hmm. know, and that becomes sort of like a model for how you can make a show. Um, And so sort of formally you see sort of um, more repetition and that and and like those trends, I think, are actually because people are aware of what came before and are copying it um, and trying to make it new. And that also seems like possibly a natural outgrowth of just the fact that uh, like – there's a lot more bandwidth to buy new shows and there's a lot more respect for the idea that a like creator with a specific voice Mm -hmm. uh, should be empowered and that you're not looking for like Dick Wolf to make 20 shows about Chicago. You're looking for like a a person with a vision and a voice and maybe there's a little more room for that person. You don't need it to appeal to everybody. Um, But then actually what you do by freeing the voices of a thousand talented writers, like half employed writers is you get like a lot of very similar shows about talented half employed people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I recently read 
a statistic that I probably knew at one point but had forgotten and wouldn't have believed if my memory had coughed it up randomly. 103 million people watched the last episode of MASH. Yeah. Is is that a business model for anybody anymore to try uh, it? It's abandoned completely. I mean, it's I mean so, obviously not 103 million, but is anybody going for 15 million well, viewers on a weekly basis? So CBS is the only existing TV structure that has any Amazing. that that they're that like the old model functions for in any way like they um regularly put on procedurals and sort of laugh track comedies that millions and millions of people watch um but even and they've had success doing that as everyone else has like as the other networks have totally failed to have success doing that um and imploded but even they, it's starting to be like this is too this is too much the same. Like this is too old and too boring. And um, you know, everyone makes fun of CBS because their audience is very old. Which like they've been like, you can laugh at us. We still have an audience. But one does suspect like that is going to be an issue at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like this season, their stuff really, really is really tired. Like it's they have a Matt LeBlanc sitcom and a Kevin James sitcom that are like actually you know the dad with the hot wife who's like suddenly raising the kids like kind of sick you know really um generic stuff and it just is very like stark how tired it is and we'll see if they can make it work but even like they're the only ones that in a continual way have that kind of success but then like last you know two seasons ago fox had empire which suddenly like actually close to you know 18 or 20 million people were watching and it was like oh this can happen we just like we can't do it with any sort of um, consistency. Right. And that show's fallen off a bit too, right? A ton. Did... I mean, because it got – that show has fallen off a ton basically because it stopped being very good. Um, <laughs> I think also it's like, you know, attention span – we have a billions of other things to watch and it's hard for a show to be that buzzy and sort of maintain like that buzz over an extended right. period of time. Right. And, and one other question. Do you have a sense of the economics of it that, that you know, it, clearly you made – a huge for- a dynastic fortune if you were, you know, a creative intelligence behind something like Seinfeld. What are the relative metrics now? Well, what makes uh, something a hit? What makes you know, somebody have, a star? Um, I don't have like access. I don't know the numbers, but my sense is that it is like you used to if you had a hit TV show on a network, like you were rich forever. Mm-hmm. You were made like real money forever and ever. And now if you have like a show that does well, like you're not poor you've Mm -hmm. made a bunch of money but it's not like the same it just isn't the same um it's not and that's not just because less people are watching them it's because like all the revenue models are totally different like you used to for the seinfeld for example it wasn't just that you got paid so much for seinfeld it's that you had reruns forever you had dvd dvd sales forever and Mm -hmm. now not only are there most revenue like revenue streams for reruns have completely dried up or largely dried up or just significantly less um there are no dvd sales and like all the stuff about streaming the price you know what netflix pays for streaming or what amazon pays for streaming is like constantly being renegotiated for everything i mean there's obviously it it behooves creators that there's so many different places they can um that the studios can shop their stuff around and like have prices go up just because there's so much more competition but it's not like there was set prices for all that stuff Mm -hmm. got it all right. Now we've grilled you about the entire industry. <laughs> it's contours and economics. Totally, totally. Give us a few more shows you're interested in. Um, a few more shows I'm interested in. I am going to just say some network shows, even though like they weren't super great, but they were like pretty good for network shows. Fox has a show called Pitch that's about um, a female screwball pitcher who like ends up in the major leagues. <laughs> and it's pretty cute for what it is. Like it's, I mean, the premise, the sort of ridiculous premise aside, like they do a kind of 
Is it a comedy or a drama? No, it's a drama. And like Mark Paul Gosler is the gruff catcher who has to like. <laughs> Wait, Zach? <laughs> yeah, Zach. Um, who vo- but it's pretty who vo- good. Who voices her talking cocker spaniel? <laughs> there is no talk, although there are two shows about that. <laughs> But not <laughs> but, really. But pitch is not one of them. Actually, high maintenance has has a, a episode all told from the point of view of a dog, hmm. which is great. But about from a dog, and then there's a show called Downward Dog with Allison Tolman, who just recently started in Fargo and is delightful. And hmm. her dog is the um, he's the narrator of the show. <laughs> he's just like sad all the time that she's not there. It's about it's about love and commitment. Talk um, about throwing stuff at the wall. Steve just pitched, a, just pitched a show that could have sold and made him a fortune. I could have been. Well, a, the a Times rich had a piece man. in the head at the front of Arts and Leisure maybe two weeks ago about how uh, network comedies like they finally were like, okay, yeah, we don't know, we're going to do some crazy stuff. And and Downward Dog is one of those shows. And um, there's a show, The Good Place, that's starting that I only saw the first one of so I can't say if it's going to be good or not um, about um, Kristen Bell who's Veronica Mars uh, plays a character who ends up in heaven basically or the good place something some sort of heaven-like place but she's actually a terrible person who just shares a name with this like um, <laughs> she's like in heaven as part of a clerical error yes she's like the clerical error and so she's like it's basically this fantasy where you end up in this place where only other good people are. You get to meet your soulmate. Like, you live in the house that's exactly like the house you've always wanted. And, of course, like, her house is, like, tiny. Everyone else is living in mansions. And it has, like, a clown theme. And she's horrified by all of this. Mm-hmm. And and then suddenly he's been paired with the soulmate that obviously, like, they're not even matching. Right. And then uh, things in the good place start to go kind of crazy because she's a bad person. That sounds like an interesting see What network is that on? NBC. And it's from Mark Schur, Mike Schur, who did... um. Parks and Rec can start on the office. Wait, so back to pitch though, since pitch was the one of the ones you actually <laughs> suggested, and I can't tell whether this is some kind of like um, sad handout from Willa to the networks, or whether you're actually intrigued by the show. But like, give us a little on the texture of it. Like, is it so? It's basically like pretty realistic. Um, she's like a 25 year old who was ver- whose father um, almost made it to the majors and became like sort of obsessed with her becoming a major league pitcher and. You know, she's taking it very seriously. It's like you can and the the media environment around her is like she's the new Jackie Robinson, even, you know, and like the team is really thinks she's a joke and she totally muffs the first her first outing. And it's like how much pressure is on her. It's And the girl who the woman who plays her, um, she has like just the right a good amount of like not sass. Like she just seems like a plausible professional athlete. Um, I mean, the whole thing is obviously it's like what, Angels in the Outfield or Rookie of the Year, like one of those movies about, like, the kids who... But it has, it, you know, those things but are like, the sweet. stakes are going to be, like, can they win the pennant? I don't... They, that may be what it is, <laughs> but, like, she doesn't... Like, when she finally gets it together, it's not like she pitches a perfect game, you know? She has, like... It's, like, three runs on, like... You, you know, she she pitches, like, well enough, but it's not like she's uh, about to win the Cy Young Award or anything. Okay. All right. Give us a couple more. Okay, this one is actually my weird handout to the network, but I was like, I have no faith this show is going to be good. And I don't even, and this is just a curve, but like on a grading on a curve. But this pilot was like so well done for what it is. I almost couldn't believe it. And it is Lethal Weapon on Fox, which is like for a dumb buddy comedy based on Lethal Weapon. It is honestly so well executed like I, it's not that I'm going to watch the show I'm not even recommending it to you I'm just saying like if you want to see what a pilot looks like that comes into the networks and they're like yes you don't have to change anything put that on the air like this is it it stars um Damon Wayans Jr. and Clayne Crawford as Murtaugh and Riggs and 
they just have very good chemistry. And also um, Riggs is so heartbroken about <laughs> the death of his um, wife, which happens, of course, in like the first 30 seconds of the show. It's really I don't know. How, it's a very it's like pretty funny and pretty poignant and like just a very well done version of a buddy cop show. I have no faith that it will continue to be that good, but I thought the pilot was uh, pretty impressive. Um, another show I really liked is Queen Sugar, which is on the Oprah Winfrey Network, and it's from Ava DuVernay. Uh, she is the person who obviously directed Selma, and she directed the first two episodes. She created the show, and she overproduced the show, so she hired um, the directors for the rest of the episodes and made sure that they were all women, many of them first-time directors. And it's basically a, a family drama, like with texture and anthropological detail, and it seems like a grown-up prestige show. Um, and it's also has like some elements of soap that I found to be extremely fun. <laughs> like it's it's not a funny show. It basically has no sense of humor, but it has these kind of like outland like a couple just outlandish like or just like even winks about sort of romance that just made it like a little a little well, fun. who's the family? Where are they? What's their deal? Uh, it is about a black family in Louisiana, um Two full siblings and their half sister. Um, their father is a sugar king uh, farmer who owns his farm, and um, he dies and sort of leaves them the farm, and they have to kind of figure out what to do with it. But you know, one of the sisters is an activist in New Orleans. One of the brothers is an ex-con. Um, their half sister is married to an NBA player, like a a very a five-time champion NBA player, um, and he gets caught up in a sex scandal that brings her home. Um, as her father is sick and it's it is not at all as frothy as that makes it sound like it is a it has sort of its prestige bells and whistles on um but there's like some fun moments too all right well that is a good list of things to set my tivo for uh well if you had to grade the overall crop on a scale of uh, an academic scale since it's the school year what would you give them i give it like a bb plus which is very high will is a tough grader (laughs) no i mean it's not even just trust me. It has been a really bleak fall for the last couple of years. And this is like, I think this is a solid B. All right. Solid B team. Let's uh, let's go forth and watch television. I'm sure we'll circle back and discuss a number of these shows and probably not discuss some others of them <laughs> in the months ahead. Thanks so much, Willa, for joining us. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Slate Plus listeners, for being members of Plus, for supporting Slate and the journalism we do. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.